Mr. Chairman. Honored guests, ladies and gentlemen of Alcoholics Anonymous. First, may I say, my name is Johnny from an alcoholic. <laughs> this is the proudest moment of my life to introduce our speaker, who came to the AA program 33 years ago. I never met him until I came to AA, but I admire him all those years because he not only set a good example, but I knew he must have had strength of character. And when I came to the AA program 28 years later, I was introduced to him by his good friend, Steve Dana. And when I told him how I admired him all those years, and how he had pointed the way to the AA program for me. He looked at me and said, What took you so long? <laughs> so I, I, just, I said, You not only pointed the way here, but he also was the fault of me not coming to the program. You see, our speech was the greatest beer salesman in the United States of America. <laughs> and I used to listen to the radio when the ball game went on, and at quarter to eight, he'd say, I'll go down to your friendly tavern and get eight for late and a pack for Jack. <laughs> and that's exactly what I do. I come stumbling home about four or five hours later with the ace, the weight, and the pack for Jack in my stomach. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to quote from a book. I don't have the vocabulary to explain about this man, and I'd like to quote from a book written by John Moosefield, who wrote the greatest of them all, the 1927 Yankees, of which our speaker was one of the great stars of that great, great team. In this book, called by a friend, one of the most lovable men I ever knew, if you had a dollar for everyone, he has favorably influenced you would have a million dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody can say it any better than that. And so, I give you that baseball Hall of Famer, that broadcasting Hall of Famer, and that AA Hall of Famer. And, as Melvin on the television would say, well, um, wait. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to present my sponsor, Floyd.
Uh, I don't think there's any question about whether I'm an alcoholic or not. I uh, was established years ago, and I started with a man in the city, and uh, I just have to announce the fact that people knew it. I was talking to a lady who is one of the grandest ladies uh, here this evening, and one of the grandest ladies in Cincinnati for that matter, and her husband was my sponsor. And we were just recalling a while ago, this is Mrs. Eakin, and this is Marie Eakin, and we were recalling a while ago the group that was started here years and years ago. When I first went in it, when Herb Eakin first went in it, who was my sponsor, there were just 13, 13 in the group, I think, in Cincinnati. So you can see the way it's grown. And we used to meet in those days over in Oak Street, which was the only meeting place for the group. And it was a little difficult for me because uh, I wasn't prepared to accept the program at first. Uh, and I had to make the adjustments and I had to condition my mind uh, to personal humbleness and the realization that I wasn't quite the guy that I thought I was. Uh, alcohol taught me that. I have to also, and I'm misusing the word after. Uh, I didn't have to, but I do. Now, I'm just better to my sponsor, but also a, a little Catholic sister. I'm a Protestant, and I was in Good Sam Hospital for a couple of weeks because of alcoholism. And uh, this little sister, Andrew, who is now in the mother home in St. Joe, uh, Mount St. Joe, probably, uh, who I think is not five feet tall. And... Uh, she was very much interested in the AA program. She was one of the hardest workers for the program that I know of. Her beacon was probably the finest AA member that I have ever known. He devoted, after he took the AA program, he devoted the balance of his life to nothing else but that. And the, when he, I'll get to that in just a moment, but when I was in the Good Sam Hospital because of alcoholism, uh, Sister Anna used to asked me to walk in the gardens behind Good Sam Hospital and uh, the beautiful gardens. And I was the most depressed person that you could imagine. Uh, life held no, no meaning, no meaning whatsoever. I thought that the end of, end of life had arrived, and uh, not, I don't mean fatally, but the end of desire, and the end of ambition, the end of achievement, and the end of purpose. And I believe there's nothing left in this world for me to accomplish or for me to acquire. And uh, we used to walk through the garden, past the stations of the court, and being a pilot, and I didn't know what the stations of the court meant, actually, or what you're supposed to do when you arrive there. But uh, we never used them, but she used to, uh, once in a while, go into a dissertation about them. And she was a tremendous influence on me, and she would say to me, Wait, uh, you shouldn't speak like that. There is so much that you can accomplish in the world. There is so much that you can accomplish... Uh, if you'd only stop and, and consider and consider others besides yourself and uh, get rid of your ego and forget about your own personality, forget about yourself, and in forgetting about yourself, you're assuming the problems and the, and the difficulties of other people and doing so why you will forget your own trouble. And I, I can't go into the, to the voluminous amount of, of philosophy and psychology that Sister Andrew preached to me, 
and she was, she was simply marvelous. And then her teachings, uh, every Sunday morning, without fail, well, sometimes during the week also, but every Sunday morning, her teacher would show up at my house after his church and ask how I was doing. And uh, he got me so interested in, in, in the AA program that I used to sit evenings and, and write. And, and, and he used a typewriter and I would write essays and, 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 and briefs and, and uh, lectures on, on the AA program and delve into the psychology of it, delve into the philosophy and take each step and analyze it. And I really decided, through Sister Andrew and through her beacon, uh, that I was going to make something of my life. And if I seem to talk about myself this evening, I'm not talking about myself uh, with ego. I'm talking, just trying to tell you facts. And how right Sister Andrew was, how right her beacon was, because once that I had determined to, to, to give up alcohol, and after a while, it, it didn't, the two years, an interminable length of time. I didn't think I could make two years. Uh, but after I got it and got used to it, it was a challenge. And if you're able to accept the challenge, this is part of it. You've got to accept the challenge. Life is a challenge. And uh, you, you can't duck it. It's going to come to you one way or the other. It's going to lay itself on you, and you must accept your responsibility. And these are well, this I wasn't prepared to do until I realized that I was just a minnow in, in this vast stream of life. And that uh, uh, I should realize this, and I'll tell you a little something about that in a moment or so. But once I decided to, once I decided to become an AA and and work at it, and realize uh, that in helping others and working with them, and the pride that I that I realized from seeing these people make the adjustment. Uh, why it became it, be, it, it, it became the fulfillment of, of, of something that that I never believed I could do. As, as they say, the, the alcoholics walk along the road and they never smell the roses, and they never see the they never see the beauty of the world. They're so concerned and so filled with themselves. And as I quit drinking and and, and the world began to open, why I began to see uh, in a peripheral way the the, the 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 world at large, and I began to understand that. Other people were human beings, and that they had their faults, they had their virtues, that they had pain, they suffered pain, they suffered sorrow, they were elated, and they 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 realized all the emotions that is possible to realize. And uh, this helped me too. Uh, but I must say that I had more help, and more people helped me. And uh, when I look back at my life, it's 1945. I think it was July. 21st, I believe. I just don't know what date it was, but I can remember that I took a leave of absence for three days and three nights, and uh, was pretty well lit for that time. And I, you know, it kind of kills me. It wasn't made me quick drink. It was the last lousy drink I had. It was the worst damn whiskey I ever put in my mouth. I went to some place up there at the end of uh, I, I, Get out in the Nellon Plaza for three days. <laughs> and then I took, a, I took a walk myself up, uh, uh, what is it, the, uh, no, no, up, uh, Sycamore Street. And at the top of Sycamore Street, way up there at Benz in the Reading Road, there was a saloon at the time. It was a lousy, a dirtiest place. <laughs> but anyway, my hands were shaking and I had to 
hold the glass this way with both hands and get the damn thing up in my mouth. But that was a, a, how they dared sell a thing like that to you. I don't know. But after I had that drink, I went to sit out on the curb and I thought to myself, and this is an actual fact, I went out and stood on the curb and all of a sudden it, it was just in like a flash. I thought to myself, wait a minute here, wait a minute. And I was somewhat restored to some semblance of sobriety, or not wasn't sobriety, but it was uh, it was a power of positive thinking in a way. Uh, I happen to think, look at all you've been through, and look at all you've done in your life. Are you going to allow yourself to go now? You got me, and I couldn't feel that I could allow myself to go on the way I had been going. And uh, I thought this is enough. I've had it, and that was where I reached the bottom. That was that, and they talk about bottoms, and you're only conscious of the fact that when you reach your bottom, you'll know it. Now, we know in your talk with Ford in AA that there are several levels of bottoms that the different people have, have uh, go lower, some people don't go so low. But that was pretty damn low, I'll tell you, Ford. And uh, so I went to the phone, I called the Sam Hospital, and got a hold of Sister Andrew, and uh, I explained the situation. He said, Get in the taxi cab and come on out here immediately. We're waiting for you. And that was my last drink. And that was July the 21st, I believe, 1945. And uh, now, if I may diverge uh, a moment, what has happened to me since? Uh, you must remember that this is all founded on the idea that I, in, in a deep depression, and then the an absolute quitting on, on myself and quitting on the world, quitting on my friends, my relatives, and everybody else in the world and ready ready to take a, a, a almost a, a deep plunge off off the world and to have her say what you can accomplish and what you can do in in and this, this, this the world is so large and so big and there's so many people that need help. And then you can give it if you'll only realize uh, what I'm t- telling you. Well ladies and gentlemen I hate that why I'm re- reciting these next few facts is because they are facts and, and, and no, no attempt to build myself up. Uh, but since then, of course you know that I, that was 1945, so since then I had broadcast for the residence of 1965, which was 20 years. Uh, I managed to make the Baseball Hall of Fame. I, I was three years the Three years, the uh, chairman of the Xavier University 3A Athletic Committee. Uh, also, two years, the chairman of the Muscular Dystrophy Committee. And, uh, and any number of other things that I've participated in. I've learned, I learned to paint and paint pretty well and, and, and painting exhibitions. So I'm reciting of just one or two or three of the things that uh, I managed to do and fulfill the, the, the expectations of Sister Andrew. And uh, to this day, I, I owe everything I have to her and uh, to her teacher. And uh, I can recall very easily the first year that I was in AA, uh, Mrs. Eakin very graciously invited uh, myself, Mrs. Hoyt, and another AA and his wife for dinner. You remember that, Marie? Huh? <laughs> well, his first name was Tom, remember? You know not. Yeah, sure. And uh, he and I were one of anniversary together, so uh, it, it's been a tremendous experience. There, 
I'm going to go back to 
And uh, it was in training down there at the time. And I don't know how many of you have been to St. Petersburg, but uh, if you have, you'll know that there's this uh, concrete pier that juts out into the bay of St. Petersburg, and it has iron railings along the side. And uh, at the end of the pier is some kind of a... I've never been in that joint, but there's some kind of a fun house where they uh, have ball machines or something like that. And that, that, that was a little unsophisticated for me at the time because I was a big shot. So uh, at this particular night, I wandered out there alone. And it was a beautiful evening, and the, and the moon was out in all its glory, and the myriads of stars were in the heavens, and it was a warm and balmy night in one of those evenings that Florida liked to post about. And uh, it, 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 it did have its effect, and it had a very, very calming and soothing effect. And I stood there with my arms folded on the railing, on this, uh, on this iron railing, looking down at the light shimmering in the water, and the, and the ebbs rolled, the, uh, the water was almost black as it flowed under the pier, and the, and the uh, riding lights of the boats tied up to the pier were, were, were glistening, and, and as I say, the millions of stars, and I began to realize, and truly so, and I'm telling you the exact truth. Uh, as I stood there and looked and, uh, at the sky and the moon, and I began to realize uh, how petty, how small, how minuscule I, I happened to be, that I was only uh, just uh, just a little figment of the world, and, and uh, uh, how how marvelous it must be that, that there was surely some power that made, some greater power that made these things occur. That made the moon shine and the stars shine and the and the firmament uh, was as it was and I began to realize how small I was and how innocuous I, I my place in the world was actually actually was and it was just as if somebody touched me with a hand because I tell you the truth it was just if somebody hit and slapped me on his back and made me realize and all of a sudden the consciousness. Uh, into my consciousness came this, this realization of the way, the pattern under which I've been living my life for the past five or six years. And I walked off that pier that evening, after standing there for about an hour, and uh, almost taking, it wasn't called a personal inventory then, I guess it was uh, uh, sort of an introspective idea, and I walked off that pier that evening uh, with a different attitude toward the entire, entire progress of life. I even formed a pigeon catechism, uh, believe it or not. What to do on certain... Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's, I don't know the ladies will understand it, but it's, uh, uh, but now they, they understand pretty much of everything. The, uh, and, uh, in picking, I would not recognize the name of the person that I was opposing. That is to say, whether Simmons or Fox or Arnold or Cobb or these different, these different people, I would not realize the names meant nothing. They were just a pattern to get out if you could. And uh, there's certain ways to pitch to them. Don't recognize the score of the game. Do everything by piecemeal. Everything by piecework. In other words, take one at a time and be very conscientious about what you're doing and very concentrative about what you're doing. So I had all these little figments of, 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 uh, of program in my mind. And I went to my manager, Huggins, the next day, and I said, Hug. I tell you the truth, last night I was, I told him, I said, last night I wanted by myself out on the pier down there and explained to him what I thought and figured, and I said, after this I'm listening to you, and I promise you that uh, what you tell me now and what I, uh, what you explain to me, I will follow. I will also ask the advice of the other pitchers on the ball club when I feel that I'm in trouble. 
and I will try to conform to the to the to the to the operating policies of the New York Yankees, and uh, in that way, why well, I believe that I can come out of this. And and those guys, he only weighed 138 pounds. He's a little bit of a guy, and, and uh, he said, "Wait," he said, "I never heard better words in my life than that." And uh, he used to say. He had to give me advice, like, you, you can't win if you pitch here, you got to pitch up there. Maybe this is the way you throw the ball. It's supposed to be at a certain level. So, I did. And the, in the next, well, from the middle of 26 on to 1928, I think I won something like 12, 47, 50, 16, or something, I lost 14, or something like that. So you can see uh, the, the, the thing was, well, why I'm explaining that to you, when I came to the part of the AA program where it said that personal inventory was necessary, or advisable anyway, uh, I was able to do it because I had done it before. And now I tell you the truth, I have done it time and again since. And once you, once you lay your, your entire personality and character, and you lay it there to yourself, and you frankly admit your fault, and you're willing to make reparations for those faults, you have had the battle once. So help me God. And uh, a good many of us, and it's not anything to hide, it's not anything to bury. Uh, all of us will have faults. Today we have a compliment uh, of them. I, I hate to trade you. The, uh, the, because you get the worst of it probably. The, the, uh, but there is no sin in admitting that you have these faults. I have a theory. I don't know how good the theory is. It might be a lousy one. But nevertheless, it's, it's part of my operational policy. I, uh, the best ball club in the world, I guess, was the what about our club, uh, the 27 club. And we had a winning percentage of about 725. Now, translate that in terms of character, uh, of, of, of character virtue. In other words, uh, how many of us, what is in, in the ratio of a thousand, uh, using that as a base, what is our... Uh, percentage in, in, in virtue. Uh, are we 75% good? Are we 25, uh, are we 60% uh, good? Uh, certainly we're not perfect. There's been only one perfect man as we know. And the, so what is our percentage? Uh, a winning percentage is six, 600 or better. Uh, are we 60% good? Are we 75? If we are, it still be 25 to 40% margin, doesn't it, for error, uh, for, uh, transgression in, in certain ways and, and as a consequence we have to learn to combat those things. And but the, the the idea that we that we force ourselves is in the, in those areas doesn't mean that we're rotten people. It just means that we, we are short in some in, in some areas of, of, of daily life and operation. And uh, uh, this is the way I prefer to believe. And uh, I try and then I think effort Pete Rose is collecting 800,000 a year. Is that right? I guess he is. But uh, at any rate, Pete is not that good a ball player. I mean, <laughs> where, his, where his actual talent lies is his ability to hustle, to impress, to create to create interest. That's, that's another virtue. That's an added talent to the other things that he does. That's his, in, in other words, it's probably that's his most magnificent talent. It's his ability to... To, uh, to lead, and uh, better than hitting, better than feeling, better than throwing, better than anything else he does. And he really hustles and puts it into life. Now, I don't know about his personal life, and I don't care to go into it, but, uh, uh, but at any rate, uh, Pete is not well, uh, 
Uh, I, I, he is no relation to St. Peter, I'll tell you And his wife is not related to the Virgin Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's a kid right now. Who's out just call his son?
of, of belief in the power of greater than myself is a little bit difficult, I assume, at times, especially if you're an atheist, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit difficult to, to prove to you that there is a power greater than ourselves. I don't really know whether there is. I believe there is. I believe there is, and I believe thoroughly there is. Uh, another person may offer a counter-argument and believe thoroughly in something else, but I'm sure that, that every human being believes that there is somebody in authority somewhere uh, that is greater than himself. And uh, I believe that there's a I believe that, don't you? You really believe that? I, I don't see how you cannot believe it, because uh, certainly none of us here have accomplished uh, so many miracles that we can afford to stand before anybody else and say, look at what a grand guy I am and what I've done, because we haven't done it. And uh, so there must be somebody greater than we are. When I look at the rose and the trees, and the, as, as they said, that God, only God can make a tree, I believe that. Uh, I believe in, in, in the things we see at the roadside and the performances of birds and animals and, uh, and, uh, and all forms of life and the miracles of existence is, is so far, so complicated and so involved that I promise you that I don't understand it and I don't believe that most of us do. Uh, but it's a part of our program and I think uh, that if we grasp, if we try to grasp something of that nature and we hold fast to it, why the hell don't we do this? Why, what is against it? Why shouldn't we? The, the ones that are drinking, uh, and gentlemen back uh, told me back there that he was a spasmodic drinker. Uh, for what, what reason? I mean, what is he accomplishing by the spasma? Is he any happier? Certainly not. Uh, he's not gaining anything, certainly. And uh, I believe that when he's sober, he enjoys his sobriety. Well, then why not continue to enjoy life? Why not continue to enjoy yourself, for God's sake? Why not enjoy yourself? You, you, you have lots of virtues. The gentleman sitting here from, uh, uh, speaking to before, a uh, very nice gentleman. I'm sure that he believes in himself, and I'm sure that he believes uh, in, his, in his own uh, 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 efficacy in, in this world, and I believe that, that is this correct, sir? I, I believe that, that you... Uh, find happiness in, 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 in all forms of existence. Um, is that right? This is the Christmas season. This is the Christmas season when all of us uh, look to heaven and look to something that, that is... It is it's pure. I was driving here this evening, looking at the lights on the trees uh, and outside in the yard of people's homes and on their porches and the decorations. And isn't it stimulating? Isn't it, isn't it lovely to, to appreciate the beauty and, and, the, and the works of God if we credit God with, that, with those works. And uh, oh, what is wrong with this? What is wrong with believing devotedly and devoutly in God? And what is wrong with, with, with believing in ourselves, for that matter? Not in an egotistical way, but believing in what virtues we have. We all have our limitations, don't we? That's one thing we do not recognize, and a lot of people don't recognize, is their limitations. Me as a picture. All right, so I had to learn, and I just said, I'll give you an example. <laughs> I never could throw a real good curveball. That is to say, I couldn't make the damn thing hop and jump around like, and then, like some fellows can, because I don't know why I couldn't, but I couldn't. And I never learned to throw a good curve. And one of the fellows on our club of the Yankees had a bird across the aisle, and he was a very excellent pitcher himself. And I, but I had a losing streak in, in one year, and I, and I said to him, Herb, uh, what's, the, what's the matter with me? Why not? Why? on my wing, and he 
he said, uh, well, what he said, why did you work pitch? And I told him, and he said, the car, I said, the car boy, he said, well, he said, you're showing the good stuff too much, and then he said, you should waste the fat, you should waste your curveball a little more, or throw it on the first pitch where they don't hit at it so much, because nine-tenths of the, seven-tenths of the batters in the league don't strike at the first pitch, you see, they take it. And if you didn't get it over for a strike, you got the rest of it left now to, to work on, on them, you see. And so you, you learn, uh, from other people, and, but I knew my limitations, I knew that I couldn't throw, a good curveball, and I, uh, you, you have so many tools to apply to, to the job that you work with. Uh, the, a carpenter, uh, suppose a carpenter is sent someplace to do a job, and he only has, uh, four or five tools in, in, in his kit to work at, and he really needs really ten, but he must do the job. Then he must learn how to use those with intelligence and science, and, and learn how to do this job, and he is limited with the tools that he has. Now, there's no sin in saying, <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, I only I only have this to work with, like myself. I didn't have a curveball, but I had a good slow ball, good good control, good fastball, and something else. But I had to use what I had and apply it with discretion and learn how to do it and be satisfied that I was not going to be the greatest pitcher that ever lived, and all, uh, even approaching that, and be satisfied with what we have and be happy with it. And I'm sure that if we can if we can contain ourselves and be happy with what we have, uh, why part of our drinking problem where we are searching for the for the ultimate through through the bottle, and because we think we're big shots when we have three or four drinks of us, uh, why that'll be eliminated, but we'll be happy with ourselves, won't we? And goodness, or or if I could only like I take a nail and have and drive that into people and. I've learned damn well that, that my shortcomings, and in knowing my shortcomings, are the, therefore the residue is partly strength, isn't it? And you, you can, you can put your, your weaknesses and, and your shortcomings and your character defects over at one side, and you can live happily with your virtues. And all of us have virtues. There, there's no sin in, 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 in recognizing you. I think people are sometimes alcoholics. Uh, believe that they are, they, they, they get depressed because they believe that the world is down on them and, and is, is censoring them and, uh, and is criticizing. Yes, they, I guess they are, to tell you the truth, when you were cockeyed. And, and uh, somebody, I was with, I was with, uh, two nights ago I was at a party, and uh, a dinner party, and it was uh, lovely people, lovely people, and this fellow came, and he didn't mean it, he, he, he wasn't an alcoholic, uh, but he had, had evidently a very good day in business, and he was very much elated because of the fact that he had, 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 he had transacted some very nice piece of business, and he had taken, I guess, two or three drinks at home before he came to the party. So when he got there, he was half-boiled, and, but he made it so uncomfortable for everybody else. Now, the, the point, one of those points being that even those that are not, not are non-alcoholics but do take some drinks, uh, get out of parties, get and are mingling with people that say the silliest things. Even the nicest people talk to me. They say people that are not out for it. They say the silliest things and act like damn fools. And then the next day they say, well, you tell them about it. Oh, Jesus, I say that. And, uh, gosh, you ought to hear some of the things I'm going to accuse of saying. But we in baseball, we learned some rather uh, uh, rugged language. I mean, we're quite... Isn't it a screen these girls are going to be these girl reporters are going to go in and make 
educational language that they've never heard of. And uh, they'll find out that they can't report it all. <laughs> and another rather innocuous uh, number eight in the 12 steps, it made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. <clears throat> that is a tax. That, pardon my throat, a little. This is age. That takes a little doing. That takes a little doing. That's one of the things that the egotistical alcoholic. You see, we're loaded with ego. All, all alcoholics are. Myself, I still am. You've got to watch yourself. And uh, with this, uh, making amends to people, I've learned how to do that. I really have. And uh, to the humblest person, to the, to the lowliest of people, to, to the lowliest of workers, to if I. I have a, a pension for all I used to have of, of, of becoming mad at a waiter or, or somebody else because something wasn't done right or something. And I, I stop and think now, and the AA program taught me this, to stop and think that that fellow is making his living, or that girl is making a whoever has to speak, but making their living just the same as you are trying to desire, meaning me, trying to make a living, and that uh, consequently they, in, in their human form, they are just as good as you are employed, uh, just as seriously and dedicated to their work very probably, and uh, who are you, me, to, to censor anybody else? Who am I to censor anybody, really? I mean, I, I am not the man that's man in judgment. My own judgment is not that intelligent. <clears throat> and that's another thing I've learned, and with age it taught me that, not abstinence. The, uh, the, uh, you just go over and you realize I tell you. That's true, because you realize that that you're living in a small world of your own. And I think each one of us here lives in their own world. And uh, perhaps a great many of us here live in, in the same world. The world is, is probably different than most people the other evening. Occasionally the worlds overlap, and occasionally we come into contact, or necessarily come into contact, and uh, we don't understand each other sometimes because uh, the demands and the pressures I know your character, your personality are very greatly different from the ones that are, are sort, of, uh, sort of heavy on me, you see, and, and uh, so we do have a little difficulty understanding each other, but we should try to understand that we are living in our own world, with our own friends, with our own people, and, uh, and when we venture into another world, we should be prepared to understand what their objectives, their, their philosophy, and their aims and their culture and, and whatever uh, whatever they are trying to pursue. So this, this, is, this is more than just the twelve steps. Is just more than twelve steps. It's more than a program. It's really it's really a philosophy. Uh, I believe that I get a little sick and sometimes when I read where some somebody some other outfit somebody somewhere has thought of it. Are they going to teach him how to stop drinking? I mean, uh, I, I have the greatest faith in AA, such a faith in AA that, that I that anything else almost fails before, because I think this is the greatest philosophy for, for us in the, in, in the world. And uh, I was in England uh, this last summer, briefly, and I'm happy to say that AA over there is doing a very excellent job in London. So it has become very international, and, and, it's, and it's a thing. I'm one guy that cannot say that it's very anonymous. Uh, 
Now you, 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 all of you are of some value. Every one of you has, has value. If you're in the world, you work for nothing, you're in the world, and you do have value. So learn to estimate the value. Regardless of what the content is, learn that you are important. You are important to somebody, be it your husband, your wife, your children, your neighbors, or how do you know what destiny has in faith for you may be important to God. Now, it's hard to look at it that way. It, it, it is found, some of it sounds very far-fetched, and some of it sounds almost impossible. Uh, but there, there, there is, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you that I sat and I, I was going to bring one tonight, but I thought it's too long to do. There must be 14, 15, uh, uh, closely typed pages, and that's only one of the, one of the treatises that I, but what I'm trying to say to you is that when I went into the program, I determined I wasn't going to take with a hop, skip, and a jump. If I got into the program, I was going to work at it, and I was going to find out what it was about, and with the help of her and the other people in the program, I made it. And I made it, and then what I didn't tell you is that I was almost fired, uh, right on the edge of being fired by the Burger Brewing Company, as Johnny says, I used to sell beer at the same time. Uh, <laughs> that was on the side, not the swim. <laughs> I was almost fired, and, uh, it was Sister Andrew who called up to my boss and said, uh, uh, Jack, uh, please, uh, I think we can do something with weight if you, if you take it a little easy. And, uh, with, with Jack did, and said, for, and she said, for God's sake, don't aggravate him. Uh, because, as we understand it, as we understand it, the worst thing you can do do an alcohol, you challenge them or dare them, and uh, so that's the, it's a cinch when you do that, that's you just starting them on the road. So I always have a high regard uh, for the wives or the mates of alcoholics because of the load that they have to carry. And I know Don well, I know Marie, he can know this very well because she was one of the lovely ladies who, uh, when her blood pressure and she had this to, to bear with it, and then when she was told that she would have to not challenge him or criticize him or, or she, I know, probably said, why, after all this, do I have to carry this load now? As my own wife said, why should I have to be the one to, to be careful of him? He should be careful of me. Is that right? And, and, and third million, why should I have to uh, be careful not to injure his feelings because he might start drinking again? Uh, well, I'll tell you the truth, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't drink because I was angry, and I didn't drink because I, I had any discussion with Mrs. Hoyt. I drank because I damn well wanted to drink, and that's, uh, that, that's why I drank. It wasn't because of, of anybody daring me or anything else, it's just because I liked the liquor and I liked the effect, and uh, except that the effect still was too effective. <laughs> and it's uh, laid in the yard. Are there any questions? Johnny's going to sell it to the reader's digest. Okay, we put back on Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> are there any questions for anyone that's there? And, and may I say this to you in closing? I have spoken to you. I don't know whether I've spoken well. I don't don't know whether I have or not. I don't know whether I have said anything to you that has made an impression. I do recall hearing other people speak when I was first in AA because Herb advised me to just sit there and listen for a 
couple of months, but don't make any attempt to, to give any opinions whatsoever, one way or the other. Just listen and try to absorb, you see. And, but if you can pick one phrase out of one section in the old dissertation that applies to you, and that would help you, then this has been partly some success. Uh, I don't know whether I have made any conscious impression, but I am not an expert. And I do not feel that I am an expert. I'm just a guy that drank so much and became an alcoholic, and I'm just excited for a couple of my experiences to you. And uh, if I started, if I, if I took one drink tomorrow, I'd probably be off again. And I don't do not consider myself, as they say, cured at all. I've, I've made an arrestment, I've made a, uh, an adjustment, and I believe that uh, I don't think about it much. I've become sort of an while it's more, there's more liquor in my home now than there was when I was 13, I think that, I don't know, that's probably true of the same night. And, uh, 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 you know, if it wasn't a home and we were drinking, it wouldn't be there. God, and, and, and so I, 
it, it took me a long while to, to dissect this thing and to pick it apart and, and realize what it was about and, and what our personal lives are about, what, what our behavior patterns amount to, and, and what a, in confirmation with the, with the expectations of, of society at large, what is beneficial to people. And I analyzed all this stuff. Well, I finally got around to it, and, and I don't think of liquor anymore, really. I, I really don't think of it anymore. After, after a while, it, it became second nature. To, and the same with smoking. I quit smoking in 1957, and uh, I had a sore throat, a, a bad throat, I could hardly speak. And I listened to some doctors talk, and, and so I put the cigarette down and never smoked since. And uh, uh, it wasn't wasn't easy at first the first week, but after a while, through the abstinence from alcohol, I learned that the abstinence from tobacco. So one led to the other. So uh, I'm just as pure as a stand. <laughs> <laughs> if you believe that, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, these two, thank you. I don't know. Uh, I realize that if you sit there, you can say, ask a lot of questions that I couldn't answer. And uh, I believe that. And, and, and you'll be perfectly within your rights in asking them. And you'll be probably, you, you would be right. And, and, and the one thing to admit in this thing is that other people are right also. Uh, that you're not the only one that's right. And uh, if you were to argue with me, I'd probably say, well, you're right from your viewpoint. And that's what I say in your world. Uh, because it's the world you live in, and, and it is probably correct in the world you live in. So, uh, what fits you doesn't fit me. It's like the, uh, the size of a, a suit or a pair of shoes. It doesn't, it doesn't fit everybody. But uh, it's been... Now, the big, the big message, there is many messages, but the message to me tonight is that I have spoken to you, which immediately revived in my mind all the do's and the don'ts that I have learned or knew about in AA three years. And so I become conscious immediately of, the, of my own fallacies and my own character defects. And so in speaking of this and talking to you, I have again revived myself and my determination. And this is one of the benefits of this program. And this is what you do when you talk to others about it because you are getting rid of your, of your of the poisonous little... Uh, uh, capsules that are, that are infecting you, and then you, you're telling other people, and that's one of the, the greatest therapeutic exercises I know of. I'm standing in a bank, this will please you. Uh, I was standing in a bank, the person asked me the other day, and somebody was ahead of me, and, and then it was my turn. And uh, I got talking to the teller, and the teller, oh, wait, how are you? And she had a word to another woman standing right behind me. And I said, oh, I beg your pardon. I said, uh, have I been holding you up? And she said, you must talk, mustn't you? <laughs> 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 I guess that I've exhausted myself and probably you. <laughs> so I thank you all, and God bless you, and I hope that this has worked for you. And, you know, I didn't realize so many people drank as I, as I, as I, as I look out over you. I thought it was confined to a very few, me and there's some others. Uh, but I do thank you for your attention and for being courteous enough to listen to me uh, without booing. And uh, thank you so much. And, uh,